This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. I invite you to take your Bibles tonight. Let's go to Galatians, the sixth chapter. One of the great burdens that has been on my heart as God has continued to grow Good News Baptist Church is again that the Lord develop here a culture of evangelism and discipleship. Things are in place for us to get the help with evangelism. Next month we'll be talking about the exchange training. You'll be seeing videos. You're going to actually receive a resource that I'll be preaching uh, through helping us to learn how to use that resource uh, to lead others to the Lord. And then in September, we're going to be taking a Saturday to a Wednesday uh, for you to be able to be in that training. We'll have nursery, uh, try to make that as easy for you to be able to participate as possible. Uh, but uh, then, as we've been learning from the book of Acts, been reminded, I don't know that we're learning anything new there, but we're being reminded uh, that the Great Commission involves making disciples, baptizing them, them, and then teaching them all that God has said. That's discipleship. I was talking to someone new in our church this morning, and, and we were just visiting, and, and they brought up the fact that some uh, that a couple in our church has come alongside them, invited them to participate in Bible study, and now uh, this individual is being discipled by a family in our church. Uh, just, it, it happened because, again, this couple is burdened, understands what the Lord has said, and, and they've taken the initiative uh, to help these fo this, this individual grow in the Lord. It just thrilled my heart. Uh, we want to see so much more of that. I hear about Bible studies, and, and, uh, and, and again, uh, it excites me because that's how God's people grow. But we need to answer the question tonight, who is qualified to disciple or counsel others? And I'm saying this in the context of counsel them biblically. It's okay to have practical sense and be able to give practical advice, as long as that advice agrees with what God says. But I'll, I'll confess to you again tonight, standing up here and, and just sharing my good advice with you, that's, that's not really helpful unless I'm agreeing with God. What is really helpful is if I'm declaring to you what God says about whatever it is that you're trying to make a decision about, uh, something that you're dealing with in your life. And so who is qualified to do that? The simple answer is anyone who knows the word of God. But we're living in a time when professionals are out there, so-called professionals, uh, to give advice on matters of life. Now, I'm not talking about if, if you hear a knock in your engine, now go to a professional who knows what's going on with your engine. I'm not talking about that. If you're concerned about a medical need, go to someone in the medical profession. 
But when it comes to living lives that please the Lord and handling problems based on what God has said, anyone who knows God and his word is, is qualified uh, to be able to help. And so let's look at the material tonight, and uh, I think it'll give you a better understanding of what I'm talking about. Under the introduction, the question of who is qualified to do counseling is hotly debated today in the context of the church when it comes to Christians. Who is qualified to do counseling? Now I'm going to name names here and then uh, your second page uh, gives you all uh, of the, uh, the footnotes uh, where this is resourced, okay? And you can look back at who I'm quoting. But uh, Lynn Garrett said this, the Bible's primary purpose is to tell us how to be right with God, not what to do when someone has a nervous breakdown. All right, so think about that. So back in the early church, back in the days of Israel, if somebody was having a nervous breakdown, God didn't have anything to say about that and there was no help? What did they do before pharmacies? But this is popular thinking today. Gary Collins, the Bible never claims to have all the answers to all of life's problems. Really? And I want to say to Mr. Collins, chapter and verse. Here's what the Bible does say. 2 Peter 1 and verse 3, according as his divine power, and he is all powerful, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him who hath called us to glory and virtue. Knowing Christ. All things pertaining to life and godliness. You know what? That's pretty comprehensive. Anything pertaining to life and how to be godly, how to please the Lord... And by the way, how to address the things that cause us not to please the Lord, like fear, discouragement. God's given us the answers to all of that. I believe it's important that pastors today stand before God's people with the understanding that all of us are called to disciple folks. And to encourage God's people that if you know God and you know his word, you can share what God has said to help them in these areas. I agree with Ed Buckley. This is an older work. It's uh, his book, uh, Why Christians Can't Trust Psychology. I, it's an older work, but I would recommend that you get it and read it. It's an eye-opener. But here's what he, Ed says. Biblical counselors are especially equipped to encourage counselees because they truly believe that people can permanently change through the truths of the scriptures as they submit to the inner work of the Holy Spirit. Christian counseling is able to give a realistic perspective to the inevitable suffering that people experience in daily living. Paul and Barnabas ministered from that perspective 
strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. And what did he tell, what did they tell those new converts? That we have to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And you can look that verse up, Acts 14 and verse 22. Do we understand that sometimes God allows things to happen to our physical beings to make us more dependent, to encourage us to be more dependent on him so that we are better prepared for heaven. This idea that we should have a problem-free existence and always feel wonderful and bubbly, uh, it's, it's just not biblical. But what the scripture does teach is that I can have the peace of God that passes all understanding even when I'm facing some things that could make me very anxious. Look at Philippians 4, 6 to 8 for yourself. So who is qualified? Look at Galatians chapter 6, and the Lord here answers this for us through the Apostle Paul. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fall, ye which are spiritual... We're going to see what these uh, words mean. We're going to take this apart in a moment. Restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. All right, so what is this passage teaching us? First of all, brethren will be, and I want you to fill in these blanks here, brethren will be overtaken. Overtake means this, to take by surprise, to overpower before one can escape. Now we see that word fall and we, our minds want to go immediately to some excessive sin. That's not all that's involved here. We can be overtaken by emotional struggles. We can be overtaken by discouragement. Uh, it, can, it can come on us. It can overwhelm us. Fear can do that, right? Now, what does fault mean? In a fault, that's your second blank there, it means to trespass or sin, which is always deadly. James 1.15, if you want to mark that reference down, put it there in your notes. When lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Now again, we, we tend to think of situations where someone just completely goes off into sin. But let me give you another example. Do you know that fear can be sinful? In fact, it can become debilitating. Where people who once could function, be productive for the Lord... Things begin to happen, they become fearful, they withdraw, and in multiple areas, they stop being obedient to the Lord. 
Did you know that fear, if it's not dealt with, can lead to other things? Anxiety, ulcers. That's right. It can affect people physically. Where ultimately they, it, it takes them down to where not, they're not only broken emotionally, but they can become broken physically. That's a fault. Now, brethren will need to be restored when these kinds of things happen. Okay? That's your third bullet. They need to be restored. This need, and I'm quoting the commentator Lightfoot, said this, is as urgent as the need for an emergency room doctor to set a bone or joint. It's that urgent. A couple weeks go by and maybe you don't see someone in church. You call them and maybe it's something, well, I'm just, I'm just struggling right now. I, it'll be all right, but I'm struggling right now. Well, again, it's keeping you from obedience to the Lord. Can, can, I, can I meet with you? Can we, can we pray together? Let's, let's talk. Now, is this real? Sure it is. The Lord said to the disciples, he said, uh, well, he's with the disciples. He's preaching. You remember in Matthew's gospel, if anyone is weak and heavy laden, come unto me and I'll give you rest. Uh, some of that is just a heavy load. Uh, but sometimes it's a crushing load where it's, we're just we're buried under that load. And we need those folks to come alongside and help lift that load. Uh, that's dealt with later here in Galatians chapter 6. But who then is qualified to disciple, to counsel the needs of men's hearts and minds? A brother in Christ, a sister in Christ. Who's qualified to do that? Well, the answer is right here in the text. Brethren who are spiritual. Look back up at verse 1. Literally those who are of the spirit. Now what does that mean? Well, first of all, it means that they are indwelt by the Spirit. Well, who's indwelt by the Spirit? We saw that this morning. Anyone who believes on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. So it needs to be a believer. It sobers me to think about how quick Christians often are to run to the world, people that are lost in spiritual darkness, but we go there for help. And again, I'm not talking about professional areas like my computer's broke, uh, my car isn't running well, uh, I've got a physical problem. Uh, I'm not talking about that. Uh, what I'm referring to is when we struggle emotionally, when, uh, when fear is, is gripping our lives, uh, when we're, we're battling discouragement, and, and sometimes we don't, we don't even know, why, why am I feeling this way? Well, you know, the Bible can help us assess our thoughts, where we're at, what it is that's causing those anxious thoughts. Hold your place here and go over to Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, verse 9, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, 
He is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Drop down to verse 14. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now think about this. Jesus, before he went back to heaven, told the disciples, it's needful that I die and then go back to heaven. It made him sorrowful. But it's needful that I do that because I'm going to send a comforter, and in the, in the wording there, of the very same kind. He's going to be there to guide you into truth, to be your comforter. Now let, let's, just, let's just pause and think for a moment. When the disciples were with Jesus, this is hypothetical, frankly, it's a little silly. Did you ever think that maybe some of those disciples were struggling emotionally? And they went to the Lord, but Jesus didn't really know what to do. He sent them to a professional. Uh, now we laugh because that really is silly, isn't it? The Son of God could see right into their hearts. And by the way, he addressed their struggles. All of them. So Jesus went back to heaven and he sent a comforter of the very same kind. He is there in you to come alongside you whenever you're dealing with these things. I just wonder, might the Holy Spirit have the answer to whatever it is? that's pulling you down. I think there's an obvious answer to that, right? Now here's what Christians should do. Get their Bible, get alone with the Lord, and begin to pray. God, I'm not even sure why I'm struggling with this fear, or whatever it is. Thoughts, memories about my past. Things that I experienced that I, I, was just, I was just doing my job. I, I was just doing what I thought you wanted me to do. This happened. I can't get past this now. If we would get alone with the Spirit of God and cast our cares on Him, would He be able to help us with that? Absolutely. Now, one of the things we have to remember as a Christian God doesn't say, come one time, I'll fix it all. You'll never have a problem there again. No. This week, two days, next week, next month. But I draw nigh to him, he draws nigh to me. And he ministers to the needs that I have. Now, some of you are thinking, well, what about when physical problems lead to the emotional things? We're going to talk about that a little bit later because God did make these bodies fearfully and wonderfully and everything works together. And so what's happening physically can affect me emotionally. And doctors will tell you, <laughs> there, there are many things that, that can cause us Emotionally to struggle, for our minds not to work the way that they normally do. Okay? 
Um, something as simple as a problem with the thyroid. It can take your emotions all over the place. A physical problem. We'll, we'll talk about that later. But overall, when it comes to emotional things, God has equipped us through his spirit to be able to respond to that. So those of the spirit. Now next, those walking in the spirit. Those who are yielded, that's your blank. So letter A, indwelt. Letter B, yielded to the spirit of God. Now, there are a number of texts here, and we do want to take time to look at each of them. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And along with this handout, we are asking the Lord to help us equip you to be able to come alongside Galatians 6 and help others. But look at 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 11. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. That's a promise. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? In your notes right above 2 Corinthians 3.17, I want you to write the word liberty. We are freed. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom for the child of God when he's in control. Let's go back to the book of Galatians again and would you look at chapter 5 and verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is, now I want to pause here and I want you to think about everything that can fill our hearts and pull us down. Fear, anger, anxiety, frustration, and the list can go on. But compare that list with the fruit of the Spirit and see if the fruit of the Spirit and those other things can coexist in your heart. I would suggest to you that they can't. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Oh, what's the next one? Peace. Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, trust. That's assurance. Meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit. And so we have to ask ourselves first, can I help them? Am I spirit indwelt and am I yielded to the Spirit? If I'm not yielded to the Spirit, I shouldn't come alongside somebody and try to help them. 
I first need to make sure that God can work through me to be a help to someone else. All right? But then, where are they in relation to the Lord? Where are they in relation uh, to the Lord? Uh, when I do this counseling, and I just like to refer to it as advanced discipleship, okay? When we're in my office or I'm sitting in someone's living room and we're having discussion, here's what I'm listening, listening for. Where has this person, this believer, where have they put God? Are they yielded to the Spirit of God? What are they thinking about God? I've shared this before. Uh, I've been in these counseling sessions where, you know, one of the first things I ask, so what is the problem as you see it? And I've got paperwork that folks fill out. And so what's the problem as you see it? And we write all these things. Uh, sometimes uh, we'll go a half hour, we'll go 40 minutes as they're describing the problem. And then I have to say, well, let, let me give some insight on the problem. You know, we've been here and we've talked 40 minutes and not one time have you mentioned God. How he is being glorified or not. How what he says comes to bear on the problem as you've described it. Or how you think God even views the problem. Why is that so important? Look at your next bullet there. Without God, without him, we can do what? Nothing. That seems so simple, but sometimes we forget, right? Also remember that Jesus, according to Isaiah 9, 6, is our wonderful... What? He's our wonderful counselor. The mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Uh, when he reigns, there will be absolute peace on this earth. I wonder if he knows anything about dealing with human problems. Come on. He's the wonderful counselor. Knowing him, as Peter referred to, allows us to have all that we need pertaining to life and how to be godly. Same Lord. And the wonderful counselor promised that his spirit would guide the believer into all what? Truth. Truth. John, 9, or John 16, 13. Do you think if you go to your Lord in prayer and say, Lord, here is how I am struggling. I've got my Bible. Holy Spirit, you promised. This, this is your word. You promised that if I would seek you, I would find you. You said you would guide me into truth. All right, Lord, help me with that search. Do you think God's going to answer that prayer? Absolutely. By the way, there's nothing wrong with going to a believer who is indwelt by the Spirit and controlled by the Spirit, asking them to pray with you. And maybe asking them to give you guidance on this thing. But, but we shouldn't just quickly run to somebody else. We need to run to the Lord and try to find the answer for ourselves. Those answers are far more precious than... Here, here's our problem, though. We want it to be quick, quickly fixed. Right? 
We want things to be instant. We want to go to God and get a quick Google search. If I just type in the right thing, boom, there it is. Problem solved. God didn't promise that. By the way, Google's not always right. But God is. Our Lord is wisdom personified. His counsel is sufficient for all. Uh, a wonderful statement that Criswell made a number of years ago, Pastor Criswell. Notice the next point here. Jesus promised another comforter, the very same kind as himself. Comforter is parakletos, means to come alongside, to give help, to counsel, to defend. That's the Holy Spirit. It's who he is. I'm so thankful that the comforter, think about that word, the comforters, that's, that's the name that the Lord gave himself as the indwelling spirit of God. Anybody here like comfort? I like comfort food. I can identify. Okay. okay. What, what about comfort? When, when you get news, I need some comfort. When the doctor said, let's reschedule, I need to talk to you. Lord, I need comfort. The comforter indwells you, Christian, the all-knowing Spirit of God. And then the Holy Spirit alone produces spiritual fruit. We're in Galatians. Go back to Galatians 5 and verse 16. This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. The lusts of the flesh, that creates the turmoil, the strife the anger, the wrath, all of that, okay? If we walk in the Spirit, though, we are, if we are led by the Spirit, it's very different. You compare verses 19 to 21, the adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, hatred, vent, all of that murder, drunkenness, revelings, Compare that to verse 22 and the fruit of the Spirit that we've already considered. By the way, no Christian can have peace if they're involved in sin. Just can't. And God graciously made it that way. Your conscience is the alarm system letting you know there's a spiritual fire someplace. Need to put the fire out. Need to turn back to the Lord. Ephesians 5, again, look down at verse 9. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Hmm. The peace that comes with having a life that's acceptable to God. But you forsake that, you give that up, Verse 11, if you have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, can't have it both ways. All right. So who is qualified to counsel others? 
those who are spiritual. Next, and this is, uh, we're going to have to wrap up here soon. But according to Galatians chapter 6, if you want to go back there, who else is qualified? Brethren who desire to restore. Brethren who desire to restore. You that are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of, of meekness, considering thyself, lest ye also be tempted. Restore is a Greek word that refers to a limb that has been dislocated and the obvious suffering to the rest of the body. Tenderness is therefore needed in treating a fallen member of the church. Right, so restore. God doesn't want us to be busy bodies. But God does want us to be aware of what is happening in the body. We are the body of Christ and members in particular. Recently I was talking with one of the little ones here in the church and, and I, I love, love the kids here. But we were talking and they looked down at my hand they said, what's that? See, I've got these fingernails, and they're all pretty much the same color. But a few weeks ago, I was doing some work at home, and I was pressing down on something, and my finger got in the way. Want to make a grown man cry. And I looked at that nail, and all of a sudden, it, it's discolored underneath, and I knew what was happening there. And it hurt. And I had to explain to this little person in our church, Pastor, what, what is that? Okay. Well, I injured it. By the way, when I injured it, the entire body knew that finger was not supposed to be where it was when that happened. I mean, it sent all kinds of signals. We are the body of Christ. If a member is struggling, it affects all of us. It does. Well, it doesn't affect me, and that's not my business. You can't find that in the Bible. You that are spiritual, if you are yielded to the Spirit and you care, you're willing to restore, God wants to use you. Will you have that tenderness? But you have to approach this person with the right spirit. Now, again, this is speaking about trespasses, speaking about someone falling into a sin. We go with the spirit of meekness. What does that mean? It's the power to have humble gentleness in the face of difficulty and adversity. Trench said this, temper of spirit towards God whereby we accept his dealings without disputing, then towards men whereby we endure meekly their provocations and do not withdraw ourselves from the burden which their sins impose upon us. We go compassionately and we try to help. Now, something simple that will help is if you know a brother or sister has been overtaken in a fall, you can say some things to help them know that you really care. Look, I'm not here uh, 
to make myself look better than you or do you, for you to think that I think I'm more holy than you, it, it's not, I just love you, I care about you. Can we talk? And ask questions. Remember, questions open the heart, statements close the heart. No Christian should ever go to another Christian and say, well, I, I just believe this is happening in your life uh, because you've got a hidden sin. Really? But we should go asking questions. Is, is everything okay between you and the Lord? Ask questions. Spirit of meekness. Considering the fact that you're made of the same stuff they are, and you are, you are capable of doing the same sin that any other Christian is. Brethren who desire to restore, right attitude, right time, prayed up, going asking questions, already praying, asking God to resolve the situation. And then I think we can finish up with Roman numeral 3 tonight. According to the text, Galatians chapter 6, these are brethren who are honest about themselves. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Verse 3. Barnes in his note says this, you are to act as if you felt it possible that you might also be overtaken with that fault. And you should act as you would wish that others should do towards you. By the way, there's some great parenting help here. Whenever you have to deal with a child or a young, young person, a teenager, about some failure, you always ought to approach that from the standpoint that there's hope and this is resolvable. But we've got to do it God's way. If you approach it with the attitude that this is yet another failure and you're a disappointment to God and to us, and that's where you leave it, that's not helpful. There's always hope when we bring ourselves into agreement with God. But it also helps to consider yourself. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he what? Fall. You ought to under underline that. Consider yourself. You can tell if a person thinks that they are above sin by the way they respond to the sin's of others. If you want to be encouraged, don't go around a self-righteous person. But I love to be around people that are just real. They know what they are, but they know who they are in Christ, and they want to help others the very same way. If someone thinks that there's something they're led astray by the fantasies of their own mind. Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Now next time we're going to pick up with Roman numeral 4. Who is qualified? Someone who is willing to bear the burdens of others. We're going to look at verses 4 and 5 uh, and then... Compare the burdens in verse 2 with the burdens in verse 5. Sometimes the best help we can be to someone is to help them understand their need to be responsible for themselves. 
and we'll get into that uh, the next time. I hope that this encourages you to realize how God can use you as a spirit-indwelt and spirit-controlled Christian. And think back to the fact that when Jesus called the disciples, he wasn't walking around Jerusalem trying to find doctors of the law who were really smart. No, he's walking around the Sea of Galilee and he's talking to fishermen who he knew would follow. And these wonderful texts that we're looking at, so many of them, apostles who were fishermen, Others who just were willing to follow the Lord, learn from him, and be used by him. And what a help they are to us. Let's not fall into this trap of thinking we've got to be professionals to be able to be a help to others. No, we need to be yielded to the Spirit of God. Because he is providence, he is all-knowing, and he has the answer. Now, having said that, again, we, we always want to make sure that we mention, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, that means that unless you turn to him, you can't understand spiritual truth. Your help is going to be other blinded minds out there. and who It's just amazing as we look at our world, how the world in their spiritual blindness is trying to help others in the world with their problems and it doesn't work we can see that it doesn't work what we need to do is turn to the Lord and so if you are not indwelt by the Spirit of God troubles coming for everybody from time to time we're gonna face hard things but if you have to face that alone or with someone else who, who doesn't have any more answers than you do, that's not helpful, and that's not going to offer you any hope for the future. You need to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And that's why Paul goes here with the Galatians to say, you need to be indwelt and then yielded to the Spirit who indwells you. And so, uh, as we close tonight, if you don't know Christ as Savior, uh, with all the problems that we can face, the emotional turmoil that we can face, you need to know Christ so that through your knowledge of him, you can address those things. You need to be saved. Don't delay. Father, thank you for just the practical help that you give us in your word. And Lord, as we continue to look at this truth, would you encourage Christians that because... Our all-wise God indwells us by your spirit, Lord. We can go to you for answers. We can go to your word. Your spirit will lead us to the truth. And it's the truth that will set men and their hearts free. Lord, if there's anyone listening to my voice tonight, they're not saved, would you bring them to salvation? They'd be willing to admit to you their sinfulness, their neediness, and then set aside any of their self-righteousness, their goodness, what they think uh, makes them okay with God. Lord, help them to put that aside and to put their whole faith dependence on what you did, Lord Jesus, at the cross, your death, burial, and resurrection. 
Only you can wash away sin. Only you can give eternal life. So bring them to yourself, I pray. And then, Lord, tonight would you encourage Christians, God, you can use us. In these dark days, when all this psychology isn't helping anything, Lord, our world is not getting better. Marriages aren't getting stronger. Suicide rates are going up. And Lord, with, with all this professional thinking, we seem to be more and more lost and confused than we've ever been as a society. And we're more medicated. The answer is Jesus. And so Lord, help us understand that with your indwelling spirit and your word, not, not that we're anybody, but you working through us, we can be a great help to the lost and to other brothers and sisters in Christ who are struggling. And Lord, when it comes to the, the heart's uh, needs, the, the needs of our own hearts, you are the answer. So continue to teach us, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.